All right. In three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bad Bunts Podcast. We're still on hot off the steamer mode. I'm Tyler. I'm Lauren. And I'm Peter. And we got a special guest today. He goes by the name Steven. How are you, Steven? Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, I'm just sheltering in place like everybody else right now and uh, just trying to you know, survive through this very once in a lifetime, hopefully once in a lifetime experience. Mm-hmm. But, you know, other than that, just going to work, hanging out at home and just trying to make the best out of the situation as crazy as our current you know, political climate and our environmental climate at this at the moment. For sure, man. For sure. I think a lot of us can resonate with that. Um, I'm kind of unemployed, so I guess I can't really resonate with the working at home part, but um, it is what it is. Yeah. So today our topic is going to be based on uh, struggles of different generational Asians, whether you are first gen, second gen, one and a half gen, whatever generation you are um, as an Asian American and the struggles that we have or not struggles, but like um, how it influences our choices in our career field. So, uh, Peter, why don't you start us off today, man? What generation <laughs> of Asian American are you? What, so, just just to confirm, the the first generation is the one that immigrated here, right? Ooh, yeah, good point, good point. So, yeah, let's go with that. So, first gen would be the ones who immigrated. Uh, over. The ones second that gen is the first yeah. child. So I'm second gen, mm-hmm. um, and of course. I mean, I guess all the stereotypes are kind of true, like kind of growing up, you're kind of um, molded to be a doctor or something, mm-hmm. or like you're encouraged to be a doctor or somewhere in like the health field or somewhere that's like guaranteed six figures or something. Um, so that, that was never for me because I fucking hated science. Um, what I was always interested in is in business. And that's like a that's like a sin for like most first generation Asians because they're like, why you got to go to school for business to start a business or like do a donut shop, do a laundromat, do something, you know, cause that's, that's all they do. Um, so, the, um, I did get a little bit of, a, I guess, pushback when I was like trying to go to college for like business. Um, funny enough was trying to go for entrepreneurship. Um, cause originally out of high school, I wanted to do like merch and, um, stores and, um, I, I essentially what it is now is like the consignment businesses, like for shoes. Um, but I wanted to do that like before it was like big. Um, but then at state, they kind of cut that off due to funding anyways. And I ended up doing <clears throat> hospitality and business just cause that was the easy way out from where I was. Um, and after that, I did some businesses, did some management, um, you know, uh, assisted in opening a sports bar. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was kind of tough. Um, but I mean, at, at that point, um, parents kind of let me do my own thing. And it's just like, as long as you make money and you pay the bills and do all this stuff, then you'll, as long as you can put food on the table. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, a lot of parents are, that, that's like the main goal. Like in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's always about like, you know, changing up the narrative. We came here with nothing and then the, our kids are going to be something. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they kind of feel like not everybody is going to achieve the whole doctor, lawyer, engineer route. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which is why we make this podcast. That's that's basically what we do. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, kind of the the drop off is like, oh, are you gonna be a doctor? No. Are you gonna die? No. Okay, no. that's fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I'll I'll share a little bit about me too. So um, I'm kind of 
I consider myself one and a half gen, uh, just because so my mom's American born, my dad's an immigrant. So I don't really know where that puts me. <laughs> uh, I'm just kind of a, a mix, depending on who you ask. Um, but I think with that, you know, I've, I think I've said in past podcasts before where like, you know, growing up, I had a really interesting blend of both worlds where like my mom's side of the family is so uh, Americanized, you know, we celebrate Western holidays. We also do Eastern holidays. Um, but like our Chinese holidays are like the way we celebrate is so old school. Cause it's like based off of like my grandparents and like, you know, what, and their experiences, like, I guess living the Chinese American lifestyle, you know, since like the fifties. Um, and so like our, our scope of Asian practices are very, old compared to like you know like my dad for example who grew up uh for the most part of his life in china and then spent another half of his life here in the u.s and he carried around like um you know like post-cultural revolution vibes so uh you know he's he's not as like traditional or like he he has like a different uh, a more modern it's it's outdated now but like back then there was a little bit more modern twist to like um chinese cultures so um I've kind of lived in both spectrums a little bit. Um, and that kind of created uh, a very interesting experience as a child growing up. And then that really, to me, I kind of, you know, just being an American and everything, like I think I just gravitate naturally towards the more Western ideologies. Um, so when it came to like, you know, career and um, studying and things like that in school, you know, like I think I've always wanted to kind of spin off and do my own thing. Uh, I never really listened to um you know, some of my other like cousins or aunts and grandparents or whatever, like, you know, they followed the more like strict Asian American route, you know, like the go to school, get a good job, work a nine to five and just kind of, you know, get by your days, have kids that like a very safe lifestyle. And I've always kind of wanted to spin off of that. Um, hence why I do so many things off to the side, podcasting, um, design work, photography, more creative end things that like, um, I think Asian American parents generally don't, um, not, not to say they don't want their kids to do it, but it's more viewed as like an extracurricular and not a career. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's, that's, um, you know, my, not really struggles. Um, I didn't really, and I don't think I really struggled that much. I guess I struggled a little bit with image, you know, like, do I fall in, which crowd do I really fall into? Because I'm such a blend of both. Um, but yeah. Hmm. Take it I mean, away, Lauren. Kind of, it's kind of a hard question to answer for me because I never really struggled with it either. Like, my um, my parents are generally pretty, pretty chill about what I do. I mean, they were pretty disappointed when I decided not to do um, like science or like in medical field anymore because I've been wanting to do that forever because they kind of instill that in me like you have to be a doctor you know you gotta make money you gotta learn how to fend for yourself and eventually take care of them when they're like old and um, they get sick and like retire and stuff so I need to have the finance to take care of them once I'm able to do that right so when I switched to business I guess they weren't like too like upset about it because business you can still make a lot of money you can still learn a lot of different things and a lot of different um yeah, just a lot of different things in business that you can make a lot of money, you can move up, um, and you can kind of, you can, su- you can succeed in that. So they weren't like, you know, they weren't trying to like change my mind or anything, but they were like, 
you know, they would prefer for me to be a doctor like my brother's pursuing. So he'll probably be the first doctor in the family. <laughs> he was just going to get um, into research. Um, I don't know. Some, I think he was kind of like, he was kind of wavering towards the two, I think. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he's in the medical field and that's something that they're definitely proud of. Like we're both like first gen, like, um, like graduating in our family. So mm -hmm. that's, that's one big thing. Um, but yeah, so in terms of the struggle, I, I guess I didn't really struggle that hard. It's not like I changed my field to something like art related, because if I did that, then they would definitely like argue with me. Like they would never want me to do a creative career. It's kind of interesting because uh, out of like the four of us, you're the one that is technically a third gen, right? Because your, your mom was born here, your dad is born here. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, so they were the second gen. So, yeah. It's interesting. So how did that influence your like like your childhood culturally? It's interesting because I'm kind of like you. Like even though both my parents are, they grew up here. Um, like I felt like I was, um, brought up in a immigrant. It was as if my parents were immigrants. That's how they brought me up. Like they have the same mindset as people who are from like. China, like they have very traditional like uh, values. We do like traditional things every year. Like I never really felt disconnected from my Chinese peers because I can relate to them completely. Like I know the language, like basically my first language is both Chinese and can I mean, both Cantonese and English because mm -hmm. my mom would switch back and forth all the time. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Steven, why don't you uh, share with us your, um, you know, like what generation you are and yeah, how'd that affect your very interesting career routes? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just want to comment that even though Lauren is a uh, third generation, she's definitely more Chinese than I am. Um, and I'm saying that <laughs> in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would consider myself a one, one, one or 1.5 generation because, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I grew up in China, actually. And um, I immigrated here when I was about eight years old. So I, I remember growing up overseas, but also majority of my childhood was here in the stateside. So I think that kind of that justification of between remembering what it was like back in the motherland, so to speak, and growing up in America has always been, um, I know it was very confusing for me growing up because the way we act, uh, the way we, we interpret culturally our understanding of community was very different from the, the more Western approach, right? And I remember just growing up, our, our, my parents was very like, oh, just you know, learn as much English as you possibly can. And I still remember my teachers at that time talking about, you don't need to learn Chinese anymore. Just learn English because you're America now. And then, so I, I, I did the best I could to assimilate as quickly as possible. And, you know, having said that now, 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 now in my, you know, now I'm well into my career and all of a sudden all my employers, my managers like, oh, Stephen, why don't you speak Chinese? You look Chinese. How can, how can you don't speak Mandarin? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't win here. Like, I, I don't know what you can do. So I, I think that's always mm -hmm. been a little bit interesting, but kind of going back to uh, my upbringing is that I actually had quite a opposite uh, experience is that my, my family came from a, a very entrepreneurship business family. And especially after the, uh, the cultural revolution ended uh, when things, you know, Kai Fong happened, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad had a business of his own in, in, in China, was quite successful before we immigrated here to the stateside. And since a young age, business was the only route in my mind. 
there was no doctors, there's no scientists, there's no engineering, because back then in the world, there's no jobs like that that exist in the world. So the only way to survival for them is, is business. And you have to do it well, and you have to do it at a very young age. So uh, I essentially spent my most of my teens throughout my entire 20s pursuing that route. Uh, I wanted to get as much exposure as I can to how to be a uh, how to be a well-rounded, holistic entrepreneurship business plan. So I, you know, I, I spent some time working at a banks. I, I worked for Washington Mutual before they turned Chase. I worked for Wells Fargo. Um, I spent my time um, working for a corporate for a fast Japanese fashion retail. That's how I met Lauren. And uh, you know, that way I can go from the corporate side, from the storefront side, the financial aspect everything I needed to know to really kind of encapsulate what a business person really should be. And, you know, while I'm doing that, I was going to school, I studied business. I, I, after school, I did this entrepreneurship program, which is like a crash course MBA program while I was still going to school full time uh, during my undergraduate. And, um, you know, the screen printing business, uh, I did an Amazon business for a while. I, I, I joined a startup, uh, a benefits corporation in Sacramento for, for a handful of years and all that kind of stuff to just pursue the stream. Kind of like you said, Tyler, it's like, you know, the creative side, website building, photography, anything that needed to be done, it was all self-taught. And it was, it's a wonderful, wonderful ride. And um, I think two, three years ago, I just got, I mean, a series of things happened and I burnt out. And I'm like, dude, I, I, I need something that's more stable. I, I you know, I call, you know, I sold my soul to the devil and got my <laughs> job. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, fin I'm finishing up my graduate degree in healthcare because while most Asians want to do healthcare as the beginning, healthcare was a fallback for me. Now, now I work for a healthcare company and I'm like, this is terrible. I'm, I'm counting the days <laughs> or I can actually go back and do this entrepreneurship again because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, I feel like that's, that's where the life experience you get from doing your own thing and pursuing something that you have control over um, trumps, or maybe that's not the right word to use in today's political climate, but uh, trumps any sort of <laughs> nine to five job that you can get because the sense mm -hmm. of accomplishment mm -hmm. and the people you meet and the, and the life experience you get, it's, it's uncomparable. And that's a high level ex you know, explanation of my experience thus far. For sure, man, for sure. Uh, and I think it's a very interesting route, you know, um, considering that, you know, your family has already been so enveloped in business. And I think that really gave you like a really strong base uh, moving on into uh, like basically into your entire future where um, it was kind of like not really a predestined path, but it was, a, it was also something you already vibed with. And at the same time you had that, um, you had that history. And in, in my experience of like watching other entrepreneurs and um, observing like uh, you know for example like you know Gary Vee like anyone in the entrepreneurial world would know about Gary Vee right where his family was also like business oriented and then he just kind of um, it was also it aligned with his passion and those people really I think really they really skyrocket in the entrepreneurial world where they um, they not not necessarily have the pedigree but they, they kind of they already have that backing and they already have that early knowledge. And they're like, in my opinion, they're almost like 10 years ahead of most of their peers and within the same age group uh, or even financial group. So um, I think that's super interesting to hear that, like, um, you know, your family was already so business oriented. Whereas uh, I think a majority of us, um, our families aren't, um, and they are, they also aren't doing something that they're telling their kids to do, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. You know, it's like a lot of, um, 
you know, especially a lot of first generation uh, immigrants, when they come over here, you know, they're not working the doctor jobs, they're not working the engineer jobs, and they're not working the lawyer jobs or whatever they are. They're usually like, um, you know, ground up, maybe like a waiter, waitress, whatever, like um, those types of like ground up jobs um, or really frontline type jobs. And then they're the ones like kind of like telling their kids like, hey, you should like, you should do this, you should do that. And it's more of like a don't follow us, do this instead. Um, and I think that's where like a lot of like the generational um, I guess influence job and career influence kind of comes into play where it's like, like, don't, don't follow our line of work, do this instead. Um, but it's kind of like, it's almost making like a little bit, little bit of a turnaround where it's like a lot of us, you know, second generation or even third generation are kind of like, we're like, well, we, we kind of want to hold on to that culture because it's kind of coming back a little bit, you know, like opening up Chinese restaurants and things like that and kind of making them uh, more popular. I think that's kind of, um, it's kind of turning around like the, the, the narratives are kind of turning around a little bit in terms of that. Um, but yeah, it's a very, uh, very interesting insight coming from you as a one and a half generation as well. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anything else y'all want to add on to that before we wrap up this uh, hot off the steamer episode? Yeah. I, I want to kind of piggyback on your point uh, about uh, the conversation between, you know, we have with our parents about, you know, they work at their local small businesses seven days a week. They don't know what vacation means, and they just work 10, 12 hours a day, and we have very little interaction uh, with the family. Uh, and and I, I think because of that mentality, um, you know, maybe just me being a little bit more sensitive uh, to this area, you'll, you'll notice there's it's an exodus of business in very localized communities, like our local Chinatowns or Japan towns or little Koreas and what have you, is that you have these businesses that's been around for maybe 10, 20, 30 years and uh, the, the original owners wants to retire, but none of the kids either have, the, have that developed that love for to continue the business and, you know, or do they just don't care and they just want to go, go be a doctor engineer or, you know, fit in the stereotypes. And we're seeing these type of long traditional businesses start whimpering and dying. Uh, you know, now that I'm in San Jose at the moment, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm learning about the Japantown in San Jose, and you have all these new new businesses that are not Japanese-owned, Korean, Chinese, what have you. And uh, and and in, in, it's unfortunate that these these businesses, that Japanese-owned business, been around for 30, 40, 50 years since the end of World War II. Um, and they're, once they close, that's it. And I, I think being part of the minority, maybe we don't feel that nearly as much as in California, but having that identity, having a place we can go to identify culturally, this our unique perspective of being first, second, third generation, it's hard to replicate anywhere else. And I, I think it's important to have the, being the younger generation to have a conversation to be, how can we be successful here in this new country, but still have a place we can call home, be a, you know, be a, a Chinatown, Japan towns, what have you. Because once we go anywhere else outside of our, you know, our little bubble in the Bay Area and California, and whatnot, it's it's we are always gonna. The second somebody looks at us, it, like we're Chinese first, American second, and I think it's it's a very important discussion to have about how we can still very much be American, but understand where our roots are coming from and having a place that we belong at the end of the day. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I totally agree with that statement. Um, you know, like the first thing I kind of thought in my mind was like, uh, you know, in SF, China, or in SF Japan town, 
there's a place called Ben Kyoto, right? It's like they've been around for like hundred, almost a hundred years now. Uh, they survived, you know, the uh, World War II, and they sur- they basically survived all the way up until now. But you know, same deal. I don't know if like they have, um, you know, like future generations going to take over that business. But you know, they're they're one of a kind. They've been around. They've been hand making mochis, you know, and in that one spot for so long. Right, uh, right. And those are the types of places that um, in in the next you know ten twenty years when they start retiring and then um, you know they but they work so hard to kind of create a different narrative for their children. Uh, it's almost like it's not even a conversation to be had about continuing certain restaurants. You know, I think certain Absolutely. Asian groups do it a little better. Uh, but for example, like you know Chinese restaurants, for example, there uh, a lot of these Americanized. Um, very unique Americanized style diners uh, that used to exist in Chinatown. You know, they're dwindling one by one. Uh, future generations aren't picking up the restaurants or even if they do, um, it's not quite the same. Uh, and they might try to like, uh, they might try to like bring it up to, uh, up to, up to speed with like the current cl- uh, day and technologies and whatnot. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So it's like, it's a very, it's a very interesting conversation to have. It's like, are we going to want to uphold this culture uh, or are we going to try to, you know, have the next generation sort of like survive in a different route? Um, right. But yeah, it's a very interesting point you brought up. Um, and I, you know, for sure, we can definitely have uh, deeper topics and conversations based off of those alone uh, would be pretty cool. So uh, <laughs> thanks for giving us the next few topics for our hot off the steamer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. you can yeah. always join us anytime. You know, just send them a <laughs> kickback right. check. Yeah, for sure. Just let me yeah. know. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Peter, Lauren, do you have anything else you want to add to us before we uh, we wrap up? I do want to ask Stephen something since we have him here. Um, and usually we, you know, long time ago when we had guests, we usually ask for advice. And since he, you know, is entrepreneur and nowadays, you know, millennials, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. No one wants to work a nine to five. They want to do their own right. schedule, be their own boss. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Stephen, for our listeners, watchers, anything, um, kind of any advice or anything uh, you'd recommend them kind of to start their journey? I think, um, I think it's really important to, to, it's always about progress, not perfection. Um, a, lot, a lot of us, you know, speaking from my personal experience, that when, we, when you start, we want to make sure we have everything there. We want to have the websites, we want to have the merch, we want to have all this. And we have this, this image we have in our mind of what, our, our, what success is going to look like. And, you know, more often than not, it isn't. It isn't nowhere close to, to you, what you think of it because the consumer is going to be different. Like, you think you know what the consumer wants at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, like, they could be anything further from the truth. And the best way for you to know it is to get out there and, and do it. With the utilization of technology that we have now, we have Zoom, we have all these other things, um, you know, eBay, WordPress. Like, it's not that the barrier to entry to business now has been lower than ever. But the only difference is that the people that grind it out, the people that have the connections and that have the relationships and all that stuff comes through just putting, you know, it's boots on the ground, so to speak. Um, you know, using my own experience, I'm talking about my screen printing business. I, I started that as like a project when, uh, when I finished that entrepreneurship academy back in Sacramento. And I was literally just teaching myself how to screen print shirts at the, at the craft building at, uh, at UC Davis. And somebody just asked me, hey, can you make shirts for our clubs? And I'm like, uh, sure. I just said, yes, I, 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 don't think, I don't think I had a really good quality. I still remember that first batch of order I, I, 
I gave to this club. It was terrible. I felt so bad. I'm like, you know, you needed it in like two weeks, three weeks. Uh, this is the best I can do. I'm so sorry. And it's like, and you know, they were very appreciative of my honesty. And it's like, oh, you know, if it's okay, we're taking more time. And I was like, you know what? Keep these shirts. I'm going to redo this and I'll make sure it's perfect. And they gave me another couple of weeks to, to create these shirts. And I gave the shirts to them and they loved it. And then they said, oh, I know somebody else who, who might need shirts or somebody else who needs like, you know, cups or whichever. And then slowly kind of progress. And, you know, at the, at the heyday of the business, so to speak, I was getting so many orders. I just, just, you know, contracting a lot of orders away. And I focused on just the web building, the sales aspect and all that. And they kind of just took off from there. And I think the best advice is, you know, if you have a dollar, start with a dollar. You got 10 bucks, start 10 bucks. If you have a million dollars, start with a million dollars because everything is going to take time. It's going to take twice as long and twice expensive. But the difference at the end of the day, why people give up at the first three years or five years is that you, you just have to continue to, to chug. You have to, it's always about progress. It's not about perfection. You're, you're going to have so many people that's going to be oh, stupid. Nobody's going to buy like, you know, dog products on Amazon. I'm like, I did it. I sold, I sold a good amount before the whole terror stuff happened. And then my margins went from like a good margin to like zero overnight. I'm like, okay, it's time to close up shop. But that, that, that would be my recommendation is just start wherever you are. Start. Don't quit your nine to five job until the money's there or however kind of risk you want to take, but just, just go. For sure, man. That's really good piece of advice right there. Uh, Lauren, anything else y'all wants to, you also want to add before we wrap up? No, everything's good. All right. Well, we're also kind of coming up on the time here on our free Zoom, so <laughs> I kind of have to wrap it up. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, my eye has been kind of glued to that timer. Um, but yeah, guys, you know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, and Definitely now, especially now, go onto our YouTube, watch watch our uh, lovely faces, you know, put a face to the name and um, you can actually like see us now, which is, you know, uh, the perk of uh, quarantine podcasting, uh, I would say. So uh, until next time, guys, <laughs> you know, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and see ya. Bye. Toodles. Uh, <laughs> Toodles.